It's always important that you do what you can when you can and, and you kind of reach out and help people, especially when you're in a position and situation to do that. Uh, being born in Canton, Ohio, I thought it was really important for me to go back home and, and try to make an impact there. When I really hit home is my dad actually got it. He made a full recovery, but seeing him kind of go through it, he was like super weak, like he could barely talk. Like he was in the hospital for like damn near a week. And I think that's when I kind of started taking it more serious. I'm the type of person who really enjoys yoga. Like I really like yoga, especially hot yoga. From a mental wellness standpoint, if you can really just concentrate and be present with what you're trying to accomplish in the room, understanding that you're just there to get yoga done, I can see how that can make things better for you, especially in the sports world. Welcome to the 104th episode of Pull Up. That's right, 104 episodes. And a lot has changed. We are still under the stay-at-home orders, uh, specifically here in Oregon, traveling when you should travel, only when it's extremely necessary, pharmaceutical trips, uh, food, um, things of that nature are extremely necessary. Otherwise, you should be practicing social distancing and practicing social distancing during those trips, staying in the house. We got beautiful weather here in Oregon. It's almost 70 degrees outside, uh, getting ready to take little Fifi on a walk here shortly. Uh, trying to really enjoy this time with family and loved ones while checking in on them and making sure everyone's safe. Jordan, are you still in New York, a.k.a. Ground Zero right now? So we're out in uh, in Long Island, CJ, just kind of doing what we do. Every day kind of molds into the next one. It's it's very strange. It's, you know, like on vacation, you kind of feel that way. But, but now, I mean, it doesn't really feel like vacation, but it kind of is because you're not doing your full allotment of work. So it's just, it's just odd, you know? And like today, for example, we did a, um, we, we've been doing these like virtual, you know, Zoom classes with, with my daughter and son's school and then like, you know, dance classes so they can get some activity and see their friends still. So just trying to adapt, you know? Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean, minus the kid part. These days seem to be kind of sticking together. Uh, we're almost 30 days in now to essentially being at home uh, for the most part, only leaving when you when you have to. Uh, I've, I've driven my car, I don't know, four times in the last three weeks. Uh, twice was to go to Petco and the other two times was to go get food. So we've, we've been in the house uh, consistently and um, have really just tried to take advantage of, you know, being together. I think this is probably a great time for you to bond with your children and, and be able to spend, you know, time that we, we normally wouldn't be in the house this much. It's probably the only time for the rest of our lives where we'll be constrained to the house uh, this much this often. So in a way, although it's it's a terrible situation to be in, to have so many people losing their lives and to be battling and to have all those people who work in the healthcare world to be risking their lives, some of them uh, in the situations of not having masks and still being asked to perform their jobs. Um, for us, I'm, I'm extremely appreciative of that and, and really want to take advantage of this time uh, at home. Yeah, and just as an example, there's 400, um, 400 workers in New York City that have gotten sick because even though they're taking all the precautions at the hospitals, there's so much, there's, there's just such a, high level of traffic that, you know, the exposure is so great. And we, we've seen we, a lot of doctors and nurses have gotten sick. So um, it just, it does put things in perspective. And to your point, like this is a time that my wife and I have enjoyed together. We've been cooking a lot. I feel like 
I've been seeing my kids so much that like they're almost kind of like what what I will talk about later with the animals like they're my kids are are kind of tired of me you know and and I don't know if that's good or bad but uh, I do I do I have enjoyed spending the the quality time I imagine you as well have been able to get a ton of quality time that you you just normally wouldn't have had yeah I mean exactly even in the summertime you're spending time with loved ones but you're still traveling um, you're still able to, to do certain things to where you're not consistently around for 24 hours. Now you're looking at a situation where you're around someone, probably your loved ones, for 24 consecutive hours. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no breaks. Uh, you're not leaving to go to the gym. You're not leaving to go to practice. You're not leaving for workouts or hot yoga or whatever the case may be. You're in the house. And when one leaves, the other one leaves as well. So I think, although this has been a great time, I think, this really gets this really is testing everyone in terms of uh, people that may have complained about you know never having enough free time or I've traveled too much at work has done this or that. Mm-hmm. Now people are really appreciating what whatever it is they do for a living, uh, being able to go out into the real world freely and not have to worry about spacing, not have to worry about contracting something from someone. I think this is a time for for us to to be extremely appreciative of the lives we live and how safe and healthy we feel and have felt in the past. One hundred percent. I do want to commend you and, and make sure all of our listeners know you committed to $170,000 to the communities of both Portland and Canton for COVID-19. It, it's it's absolutely fantastic, CJ. And um, just take us through like your thought process and obviously how important it was to help both Portland and then also your hometown of, of Canton. Yeah, I, I think it's always important that you do what you can when you can and, and you kind of reach out and help people, especially when you're in a position and situation to do that. Uh, being born in Canton, Ohio, I thought it was important for me to go back and give. I know there are a lot of people who are in need all across the world and everywhere, but um, I thought it was really important for me to go back home and, and try to make an impact there, especially from a food standpoint, understanding that a lot of people are, are going without, um, not just without income, but without food, without being able to provide for their families. And uh, with there being no school, I think there's over like 50% in certain cities, 60% of uh, students are on free or reduced lunch. So being able to have an outlet to where they can receive uh, food is, is extremely important. And then obviously understanding the importance of Portland, what it's done for me, what they've meant to me in my life, and the boys and girls clubs in general. Um, the virtual situation there where there can be virtual counseling, people can be uh, put in a position to, to potentially be able to provide and mentor these kids. It's It's been extremely important to me and, and something that I've always uh, wanted to do, uh, regardless of s- situations. I think now is just a, the right time to, to get it done. Your contribution to the Boys and Girls Club will help with staff retention, virtual counseling, and other programs for both children and families. And the funds donated to the food bank will provide 400,000 meals to families in uh, in both Canton as well as other towns. CJ, congratulations. It's wonderful. And um, I can imagine, too, you've I, – I would at least guess that a lot of people have reached out to you specifically uh, asking for help. Ha- has it been hard to, to sift through everything and – Try to um, know that you want to make a difference in a lot of different places and and try to maximize every dollar. Yeah, it definitely is hard. You have to pick and choose your battles. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of people that are in need, not just across the world and across the country, but uh, in in families, uh, not just 
families outside of mine, but in general. So you, you try to help any way you can, especially for small businesses. I think a lot of people are losing jobs, they're getting laid off. I have family members that are being laid off and are in a position to where uh, they're applying for unemployment or trying to figure out how to kind of keep their families afloat. The bills are still coming in. Uh, depending on where you're at, uh, you still have those same responsibilities. So uh, you just try to do what you can. I think that's the biggest thing. You have to do what you can, but understand that um, there are some some situations in which people are able to get unemployment. I think the government is giving out about $600 a week right now, which it's not um, obviously ideal you know, to have to do that, but it's better than the alternative of, of potentially being laid off and not making anything. And I think they said, what, 6 million people uh, apply for unemployment just last week. So that kind of shows you where we're at right now. Not to mention, you got bus boys and girls, you got waiters, you got all these people who work certain jobs to where it depends on travel. It depends on the consumer being able to come in and sit down and have that type of experience. Uh, I just, I mean, I feel for, for everyone. There's a lot of people out there who are struggling going through it. And as a person who's in position to help. I, I try to help any way I can while being realistic with those expectations and goals because there are over 300 million people on this earth. So you can, you can impact the lives of of any amount. I think it's, it's better than nothing. Yeah. And, and then just to follow and piggyback off of that, um, if you are in the Seattle area, I do want to make this uh, make this announcement or a declaration. You can go to the plate fund uh, dot com and uh, CJ, my parents have also gotten involved specifically to your point about small businesses as it pertains to Seattle area restaurant workers, many of whom are undocumented. And basically, you can get a stipend for both food and rent. Um, and it's uh, it's free. It's first come first serve. But um, if you're in the Seattle area, you instantly. Um, or you automatically apply. So please check out the platefund.com and, uh, you know, make sure to, to help yourself and your family that way. Oh, that's awesome, man. That, that'll be utilized well. There are a lot of people um, who are in need, who are struggling, who are going through it and, and kind of figuring out the next steps. Uh, this, is, this is definitely a terrible situation um, to be in the health risk of leaving the house and then not actually being able to potentially provide for a family. I can only imagine how, how I would feel in that situation. Now we have a special guest calling in. He was drafted in 2015, uh, first round, 11th pick, NBA blocks leader in 2019, all rookie, second team, 2016. Let's go back to college a little bit. Third team, all Big 12 in 2015, Big 12 freshman of the year, McDonald's All-American, first team, Parade All-American 2014, averaging over 12 points, seven rebounds this season for the Indiana Pacers special guest, Miles Turner. I appreciate you calling into the pull-up pod. No doubt, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Just uh, trying to hold up, just like everybody else but so far so good jordan you said that he has dogs i have a dog it's only right that we kick off the conversation you know besides what's going on in the world right now you have dogs and cats yes <laughs> you have you have you have a mini animal shelter at home i i do i'm a new dog owner so it's been an interesting adjustment for me i'm two weeks in right now uh we're trying to get go through the potty training stage and it's been a hit or miss for the most part but Mostly hits. She's only used the bathroom in the house four times in two weeks. Most notably today, she left a beautiful yellow stain on my white plush carpet. <laughs> so uh, that was the 
the morning news, uh, so to speak, during these times. There's not much action happening in the house, but she's <laughs> providing us with all of that. You have any dog stories for us early on in your childhood? I know you said you have you had a dog. Yeah, so I had a dog. I, I really grew up with cats in the house. My mom loved cats for whatever reason, and just like full disclaimer, my dad just like hates animals. Like he really just does it to keep my keep my mom happy and whatnot. So I got a little dog little fellow. I mean, if we were to get a dog, I'm sure he'd prefer we get a big one, but he's a Maltese Yorkie. I've had him since eighth grade, so I think he's like 13 years old, maybe, and still spry as ever, still going along, and you know, during this time, I think he's actually getting more annoyed with us than we usually do with him. I think he's used to having the house to himself, kind of roaming free, and now we're just constantly home, and I mean, you can kind of tell with dogs, they have the little antics to them, and I think he's just like a little annoyed. <laughs> you know what's interesting? For us, for me, and we have we have two dogs, two cats. I feel like the animals are more irritated that I'm home now. That it's like this whole process of they don't they don't have their alone time. So uh, it's been a big adjustment for our house. As CJ said, we we have a basically a mini animal shelter. It's very uh, you know it's quite hectic. But I my question for you. With that in mind, is like now that you have all this time, and obviously it's not time we any of us anticipated. What have you been doing differently throughout the day to not only escape from basketball but also like stay productive? Well, the biggest thing, man, being a professional athlete, and obviously CJ can allude to this as well, is just routine, man. I think um, during the season, even during the off season, you have a certain routine you get into. So, in the first couple of days, I was just going stir crazy, like just not having anything to do. You know, I would work out and be done with everything by like 10 o'clock. Then you have the entire day. So I kind of just got myself to the routine. I'll wake up and obviously get my workouts in. I usually go for a run. I set up my own little makeshift gym, my garage. I mean, I pretty much got everything I need in there. Um, I do yoga as well. I actually just getting back from that. Um, and then after that, I kind of set some time to, to at least study what's going on just around the world as far as, um, obviously the coronavirus right now, seeing what's going on with that, they, um, keep myself updated with that. And I try to just learn something new every day. It can be, it can be random subjects, like whether it's, I don't know, something about politics, something about the stock market, something about, um, I don't know, some of my family members. Like I try to like just learn something new every day in a sense. And then I usually end the day with, you know, get a few hours of video games and that's about it. That's smart, man. That's something I've, I've told a lot of people, to try doing during these times is to step outside the box and do something you wouldn't normally do, whether that's reading a book that, that you wouldn't normally read. If you like nonfiction, maybe adventuring into fiction and for you learning different things that are happening around the world and, and just kind of adding the skill set. I think that's crucial and vital because as an athlete, we're used to challenges. We're used to, exactly. to being able to compete and do certain things. And I think when you step outside that comfort zone, that's when you see the most growth. You talked about yoga. Mm -hmm. I know uh, you've done a big transformation on your body, understanding the importance of nutrition, diet, and just kind of finding that overall mental wellness. When did you start practicing yoga consistently, and how have you been able to kind of keep it going? I know there's a lot of virtual stuff going on, and some places may still be open and, and allowing people to practice at, at the six-foot uh, social distance minimum. But how have you been able to kind of keep that alive? Because with the with the season and the schedule, we travel so much, it's hard to consistently do it. And now we have this huge break to where we can do just about anything within the uh, home confinements. Yeah, so the biggest thing with me, you, 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 you literally just said it, is that the app that I like to challenge myself in different ways. And I feel like yoga, is one of those things that you can, there's no peak to it. Like there's no, just like master, like yoga instructor out there. There's always something that 
you can get better at in yoga. You can do. So with that being said, like the transformation of my body was huge for me. You know, I, was, I came in the league, you know, kind of rookie, pretty frail. And, you know, you're going against guys like Dwight Howard and the DeAndre Jordan, like the real strong guys in the league. So I knew I had to do something. You know, you can lift all the weights you want, but it's all about functionality and, um, and the flexibility, especially being a guy like me who, you know, I'm on the perimeter a lot, just moving around, running a lot. So um, this time has been perfect for that. You know, I have a private instructor and we usually meet up at this park outside. So, I mean, it's pretty funny. You see a whole bunch of people just walking by. You see this big black dude doing this yoga in the middle of this park in this, in this neighborhood. It's, <laughs> <laughs> the, the looks I get are you know, quite hysterical, but for the most part, you know, <laughs> yoga is just about just settling into the moment, just working on your breath and whatnot. So, no, nah, it's been huge. You know, this for me was probably my third year in the league. That's when I really started doing it consistently. Um, not as much during the season as with the with our schedules and whatnot, but a time like this is perfect for me to kind of just go back and um, go back to my roots a little bit, just match some of the moves that you know I probably wouldn't be able to do uh, within a given off season. See, I know you've talked a lot about yoga and and how beneficial it's been, Miles. Can you just speak to the benefits you've seen mentally too? Um, because obviously, physically, your body has changed, and and we've seen that without question. But I'm curious mentally, the benefits that you feel you've gotten from it. Well, it makes you lock in, man. It really makes you really focus on your breath. I think there's a lot of things like, well, like just full, like just full disclaimer, like my, my yoga like teacher, she's crazy. Like, <laughs> as hell. like, I mean, we do a lot of unorthodox stuff. Like she, her studio, there's a whole bunch of wasps that are flying, like legit wasps that are flying around. Right. And I thought that was like the weirdest thing, but it's actually intentional to put those <laughs> in there to make you lock in and not focus on the wasps because like you don't mess with them they don't mess with you there's this weird like energy balance thing that she's trying to preach to me um but i'm not exactly sure how true that is but it is what it is but anyways um yeah stuff like that or like she'll tape my mouth shut so i have to breathe through my nose and it literally just like makes you just focus in on the moment you can't think about anything outside of your practice because you can be in a full pose and you it takes like all your body strength and you start thinking about something else and you slip one little muscle can um, slip you up and you just fall like on your face. So it's, it just really made me lock in on like the mental side of things. Like when I'm in the, I'm at the free throw line, I'm able to kind of just focus in a little bit better than I have it in the past. Or if it's like the fourth quarter and like, it's a, I don't know, a key possession or something like that. I'm able to focus on my breathing a little bit more as opposed to getting tired. So it's, it has a lot of benefits to it. So you're in your yoga class, and there are literally wasps flying around <laughs> the room. Lots of wasps. Legitimate, bro. Like straight, straight Miss Miyagi type stuff. Like it's, <laughs> I, I, when I explain it to people, they all come with back with the same reaction. But now it's to the, it's to the point now that like I don't even know they're there. Like they're just flying around. You hear them. Like one of them landed on me one time. And I just wasn't able to stay in my pose. But that's just the focus you build up over time and just getting better with it. You've never been stung. I've never been stung, Jordan. No, so this like I'm a knock on wood. I've never been stung. <laughs> CJ, I'm trying to picture near damn near seven foot miles in this class with wasp. I mean, what <laughs> you don't you don't mess with a wasp. You know, a bee is 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 its own entity, but a wasp is different. CJ, can you can you picture this? No, I would never participate in something like this. And I'm I'm the type of person who really enjoys yoga. Like I really like yoga, especially hot yoga. But I don't like. Those types of creatures, <laughs> insects, <laughs> I can't get down with them. And I don't know if I'd be able to to focus uh, in a room like that. But I think, I think 
I get what you're saying from a from a mental wellness standpoint. If you can really just concentrate and be present with what you're trying to accomplish in the room, understanding that you're just there to get yoga done, I can see how that can make things better for you, especially in the sports world. And segueing this into the game where we played you guys, you hit a big three down the stretch. We needed that win too. I'm still thinking about it. We needed that win badly. We were getting stops. We're in Indiana. One possession game, you hit a three, made it, make it into a two possession game. Um, from a concentration standpoint, you said that it's helped you with free throws. Would you say that it's helped you with your overall ability to not only perform during games, but to be able to block out the media? Because we, we live in a world to where we're, we're constantly criticized and receive constructive and sometimes not so constructive criticism from fans. Yeah, man. I think that, you know, this season was really big for me. You know, where, um, I transitioned from, you know, I play, I've been to five like my entire life. You know, I played a little bit of four in college, but this year I was a full-time like power forward. And that was a huge adjustment for me. Like I'm used to shooting three in the perimeter, but being out in the perimeter the entire game, that was an adjustment that I just didn't see coming, even like this off season. So obviously I, I struggled like the first like month, maybe month and a half of the season, just to kind of find my niche out there and find my role and just to, and from a productivity standpoint, so there was a lot of criticism, you know, especially, you know, from my own fans, from national, international, and then, you know, even coming off the Team USA stuff this summer. And, like, obviously that was a big thing as well. So just hearing that criticism you know, just from everywhere, it was an adjustment for me. You know, I, I went to the point where I deleted, like, all my social media. Like, I just stayed off everything. But then it kind of just occurred to me that, like, yo, you just let these people win in a sense. And I kind of got back to my roots. I actually had a full conversation with my yoga teacher about it. And I think she kind of got me back in the, back in the swing of things, you know, to be real. Like I obviously had my mentors, people I talked to, but she really helped me out during that time, you know, it's going back to that, um, that center of focus. And then it's like the, the, what you're trying to accomplish in the long run, you know, not the moment. So the criticism, you know, it sucks. And it's, it's part of the business, you know, it's the price of fame in a sense, but um, kind of getting back to my roots and getting back to what I was able to do. Um, you know, I started to pick it up as the season ended and, you know, I was very confident with what we had going forward, but, you know, to be determined at this point. Miles, I'm curious how your conversation went with Nate McMillan going into the season of here's what we need from you now. Here's the position change and how it's going to play out because like I've actually known Nate a long time and I grew up with his son Jamel and and Nate's great but he's a no-nonsense guy. He's deliberate. He's not going to mince words. So take me through that process. You know, it was it was awkward. <laughs> to be honest with you, it was really awkward because you know, you you know, I've been in Indiana. I'm, I'm I've been in Indiana the longest out of all my teammates. I'm the longest tenor guy on that team. So anybody, you know, would expect like, okay, I'm the guy, like I get 20 shots a game or, you know, I need to go out there. I need my touches, yada, yada. So in the summertime, you know, the organization and himself, he told me to work on my post up. Say, we need you to start posting up more. You know, we're going to start feeding the ball in the post, yada, yada. So I said, cool. So I spent like an entire summer, you know, working on my post moves, working on just counters, this and that. Then I get to the season and it's like, yo, we need you to go on the perimeter. We need you to space in the corner. We need you to shoot more threes. So, you know, I spent an entire summer working on a completely different package. And then, you know, I come in before the season, before training camp, and he addressed me that this is how we're going to be used. So that conversation was really awkward at first. But as the season progressed, we, we watched film together. You know, we kind of were trying to figure it out together in a sense because, you know, by no means did I want to, you know, not feel useful out there or anything like that. You know, like, um, you know, like you, 
Like, like there's a lot of mouthpieces fans like on the, on the team that we have. You know, Malcolm Brogdon, you know, is coming in. He was a great facilitator. You obviously to get his shots up. You had TJ Warren, you know, Jeremy Lamb when he was healthy. You had Vic, you had Sabonis. I mean, and you got a lot of mouths to feed in this sense. So I just kind of had to kind of get in where I fit in. And once they kind of started getting the ball rolling, you know, it started to work out. But, you know, just in all honesty, like, the conversations were awkward because, you know, we were both on two different, completely different phases. Yeah, I can imagine how that conversation went. I think a lot of times what happens is the disconnect between player, coaching staff, organization. And I think some of the some of the best organizations in the world and, and not just in the sports world communicate effectively. And I think that makes everything better. I, can, I remember um, two years ago, heading into the summer, our coach, our head coach, Terry, was like, I want you to shoot more threes. He's like, you're only shooting like four or five threes a game. He's like, you're such a great shooter. Uh, I know you shoot a great percentage from the mid-range, but we want you to shoot more threes. So I literally started working on like consciously stopping and shooting threes as opposed to like throwing the ball out and shooting a mid-range shot. And I used to always tell him, I'm like, bro, they give they give up the mid-range shot. Yeah. That's why I shoot it so much. Yeah. They sit in the drop and they say it's analytically a poor shot. I said, that's why I shoot seven pull-ups a game. He was like, <laughs> well, shoot two more threes. So this season I finally was able to do it where I shot over seven threes. But he's still like, CJ, you should you should be shooting close to 10 threes a game. I'm like, I just don't feel right shooting threes all the time because I feel like it's a high percentage shot for me to get to the cup, right. use the floater, to use the midi. But I'm trying to get to that point to where I can do it. But it's crazy how you have those back and forth with your Staff to where people don't see the behind the behind closed doors. They don't understand like why is he doing this or why is he doing that. It's like they want me to do this. Yeah, <laughs> That's exactly, why I'm doing exactly. it. <laughs> I get that. You don't even know. <laughs> Miles, was there a game or a moment for you where you you all of a sudden felt more comfortable? Was it more gradual? What was that process like? Because obviously it was a lot different. Yeah, I think that you know as the season be- uh, began, like the very first game of the season, I had like 25 points. Right. And then it's like, okay, this is going to be, okay, I, maybe I can do this fourth thing. And like, I want to do and be on the perimeter all game. And it was like, next game, I had like five or six points. And it was like that all the way up until All Star break. I had some great games and I had some not so great games. There was never any consistency with it. Then after All Star break, you know, for whatever, for whatever reason, it just started to click. You know, I, I got better at playing without the ball because that was the biggest thing. It's like, you know, at the four, you just feel like you're not involved. You're standing in the corner all game and, you know, you're not getting your touches. But, once you start playing with, learn how to play without the ball, making timely cuts or getting involved in more pick and roll actions, get on the glass, like you start to just feel more comfortable. And that's exactly what it was. I started watching more and more film. Um, I started watching guys in my position in the past, like Chris Bosh is a perfect example. Like he was in his Toronto days. Obviously, we know what he was capable of and we know what he did, but he completely had to change his game when he started playing with Braun and, um, and, uh, and D Wade in Miami. So I started watching film on him and like the stuff that he was doing. Like obviously everybody knows he was a killer, but he just wasn't that same in that same role, you know. So watching more guys and then just going out there and doing it, man. Once you once you go out there and do it and start getting more and more confidence, like you just you just feel better. And that's what it was. Post All Star break, I just felt so much better. Yeah, I, th- I think. Kevin Love went through a similar thing in a sense, obviously, double-double machine in Minnesota, killing, offenses ran through him. Then he goes to Cleveland, and they basically tell him, we want you to shoot threes, we want five out, we want a space, we want you popping, we want you inbound. And he had to go through a bit of an adjustment period, and obviously they were able to uh, win a championship and kind of figure things out. But I think it's it's always interesting to hear those those little anecdotes and stories that that happen behind the scenes, especially for a team like you guys. Like you said before, you guys are deep. You guys are one of the the deepest teams in the NBA, especially when you're healthy and at at full strength. So 
being able to to sacrifice for the betterment of the team kind of shows what type of person you are kind of to your character. But turn the page a little bit and looking at what's happening in America. I always ask the guests, uh, historically, since since we've been on this hiatus for about, I don't know, twenty day 26 now, where were you at when you found out the NBA was suspending the season? And at what point did you know that like this COVID-19 is, is real because I think it took us some time to kind of figure out how serious it was because the media was unsure. The president, 45, was saying certain things about it. And then it kind of snowballed immediately. Yeah. Um, so we had just played Boston. Like we lo- we barely lost him. It was a really close game. Um, and I was at home. And I was just, you know, after, usually after games, like I'm up, like, you know, like after games that like you just can't sleep. So you're just up doing whatever. So I was playing video games and um, one of my boys had like FaceTimed me and he was like, yo, did you see the NBA season suspended? I said, bro, chill, what are you talking about? He goes, bro, look at Woj's tweet. So I went to Twitter and I saw the tweet, but it was one of, on one of those like fake Woj accounts. So I was like, oh, bro, no, this is fake. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so nah, bro, this is real. <laughs> So then, like, I did a little more digging. I actually went to Woj's actual, like, site and said, yeah, the NBA is on a 30-day hiatus. I was like, oh. Well, first of all, I, I, like, first thing I did was look up what does hiatus mean. And then the second of all, I was just like, yo, like, this is this is real. Like, what what's going on? So then, you know, we I was watching the Dallas Mavericks game, and then, um, you know, Mark Cuban, like, got the notification on the sideline. And, you know, I called to make sure my family was okay. And, like, that when it kind of started to be real. I was like, I, I was expecting to go to practice tomorrow, get ready. And then you know, a couple of days later, you know, I hopped on a jet and I was back in Dallas. I just wanted to make sure I was well, here with my family. And when I really went home, it hit home is, um, you know, my dad actually got it. You know, he, he made a full recovery. But when just seeing him kind of go through it was, was huge. Because, like, you don't really – you see all the memes and, you know, it's funny and stuff on Twitter until something actually happens to you. And seeing my dad get it, like, he was, like, super weak. Like, he could barely talk. Like, and my dad has underlying conditions as well. You know what I mean? He's, like, 55, 56 years old. So he has underlying conditions. And he was in the hospital for, like, damn near a week, maybe six or seven days. And I think that's when I kind of started taking it more serious. Like, man, this can really happen to anybody. Like, we don't know much about it. And that's when I started, you know, doing more real more research on it, like keeping up with it every day to see what I can do to keep myself safe, keep my sister safe, keep my family safe. So, um, you know, blessed as he may be, you know, he, he, you know, he made a full recovery. He's not contagious anymore. He's back on his feet. And, but, you know, I'm, I'm, it was a blessing that he was able to make it through, but, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't. So um, I think when having, having something personal happen to you like that, that's kind of what made it, the perspective also real. I appreciate you sharing that, man. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your father getting it, but glad he was able to to make a full recovery. Uh, I, I I agree with you. I think, and you know, I knew it was serious. Um, my fiance goes to school in in New York, so she was at Columbia Dental, and she was telling me how serious it was. And I don't think I really understood it until we had to sit down as a team and really kind of collectively talk about it. And then it really hit home when the first case came in Lake Oswego <laughs> and it was a school and I speak at schools. I read books to kids at schools. And that's when it kind of set in like, wow, this is, this is serious. And it could happen on accident. I could be asymptomatic and pass it right. to my mom right. or to my grandma or to, or to someone who's older. And that was the, that was the scary moment that kind of, 
made me think like, wow, I have to, I have to really be cautious about signing autographs. And people snapped on me when I was like, I'm not signing autographs or taking pictures no more. Like I'm done with it. Yeah, yeah, I saw that tweet. <laughs> and people thought like I was joking. I was like, no, I'm being serious. Like this is, this is something we have to control. So I think now that's like you said before that that is that is huge and just just a follow up question in, involving the covid-19 you're in you're in texas right now you you uh you grew up in bedford texas what's it like there right now because i think it's it's different depending on where you're located i'm here in oregon and basically they've issued this stay home like mo- nobody's really going out unless it's for emergencies you you, go, you need to go to the doctor you need pharmaceutical stuff or food everyone's pretty much staying home highways are empty but then you see pictures of certain cities to where people are carrying on like nothing has happened how is it in bedford texas or wherever you're at or dallas now yeah so just chronologically it's just progressively gotten like to the point where well the best way i can describe it is when i first got here nobody was taking it serious you know everyone was out and about parking lots were full like people were at parks and everything so like everybody was out and about maybe week one week two you know less cars but people were still out and about doing their thing like in the community that i live in it's, it's real open it's like fifty thousand people so there's a lot of people you know it's a lot of traffic a lot of people kind of going through it's a suburb so then by week three that's when stuff started getting real they shut down like every single gym like in the area like nobody I talked to a couple of guys in the Mavericks, like nobody can get to gyms, nobody can have anywhere to shoot, anything like that. So me and my boys and just go shoot outside on outside rims, like at churches or just around the area. And starting this week, the city went around and they started taking the rims off of all the backboards in the entire city, like in all the surrounding cities as well. They closed down, like I wake up every morning and go run. They closed down the track that I ran at, like at this high school. Um, like there's nobody on the roads right now. I think gas is like a dollar and 15 cents. Like it's, it's crazy, bro. Like it's just complete, like the tide has completely changed just from week one to like now week four. Like it's just over time, it's gotten more and more controlled. So, um, yeah, man, it's, 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 it's pretty crazy over here. Like, you know, the cases aren't like exploding in a sense here in the Dallas area, but there's definitely been quite a few confirmed cases. So, um, and it's, by, it's also county by county. Each county does things a little differently. Like Dallas County, like they have like a curfew, whereas I live in Tarrant County. Tarrant County is just, you know, only essential runs. So no, it's still um, very controlled. Miles, how do you think you're better equipped now to handle an epidemic like coronavirus than you would have been, say, your first or second year in the league? Just in terms of your maturity level, your ability to process information and everything that goes along with that. Most definitely, man. When I first came in the league, like, time like this i wouldn't have known what to do i probably would have just probably ate a whole bunch of junk food and just <laughs> just kicked with my boys and just i don't know whereas now it's like i know like i have to stay in shape like i have to do what's best for me and my body like i know i have, I have my chef who lives here in dallas with me as well so as all my meals like there's no need for me to go beyond about like i think now i'm more equipped to handle it just because i have a great team around me i think that's something that's so important like just to even anybody that's coming into the league, man, it's just the people you put, you surround yourself with is so important. Like, you know, you hear that stuff, it sounds cliche, but if you have a team with around you that has the same vision as you, like, it's it's huge. And I think that's the difference from, you know, year one to now year five. I have a great team around me. So they kind of prepare me for an outlook like this. And on the other hand, like, yo, this is a look at early retirement. Like, you know, um, we're going to retire by the time, hopefully, you know, we're 35 you know, if you're like Vince Carter and Invincible, you know, you're 40, 40, 41 years old, you still have the whole, your whole life ahead of you. So 
it's just a, like an early peek into like what life is like without basketball. Like, what are you going to do with yourself? What are you, what, what goals do you have for yourself? What, you know, well, who are you outside of basketball? I think that's the aspect I'm trying to work on a lot more now. Now that I have some time to myself. So, um, I'm obviously equipped to, you know, to deal with all this kind of stuff now, but you know, my rookie year, nah, I probably would have just been playing video games all day, eating junk food, just, <laughs> just I'm not caring about anything. That's really, really smart. CJ, I know you're in a similar boat. Obviously you've been in the league longer, but, Take us back to your first couple of years when you weren't playing as much. How you think maybe your approach would have been different? Definitely more naive. I think the younger you are, the more naive you are to, to certain situations. Obviously, we've seen how the kids reacted on spring break. You know what I mean? I think you're just, you, you feel like things aren't going to really happen to you. You feel like, ah, no, that can't happen to me. That's, that's, not, that's not realistic. But I think as you get older and more mature and start to come to realization and understand that this stuff is happening to everyone of all ages, I would have I chilled out for sure in terms of what I would have been doing. I would have been hurting from a food standpoint, <laughs> you know, trying to figure out like, all right, what do I want to eat? Where can I eat at? What places have to go food? Because at that point, I didn't have a chef. Um, and then I would have just been worried about the the older people in my family because uh, I, I'll say it, younger people are stubborn, but older people are also stubborn because they've been doing the same thing for so long. So they have, you know, 50, 60, 70 years of living a certain way, and then they have to adjust and they don't like change. So I think I would have really been worried about, you know, the older people in my family, but I would have been able to to make do with the situation. I would have probably ate a lot of terrible food, uh, fast food. I would have been a regular, you know, if Popeye's was still open or some of those places, I would be trying to pull up and, and, and get stuff from there. But mentally, I played video games then. I don't play video games now. So I would have played a lot of video games. I probably would have read a little bit and um, just really talk to people. I think that's the biggest thing I probably would have done. And now it's more so business focused to where I'm on conference calls all day. I'm trying to, you know, shift and, and build an empire to where I'm learning. I'm doing little sim seminars where I speak to, to people from different backgrounds, different walks of life who are experts uh, in certain areas to get educated. And then I go research and figure out how to act on it. So real estate, funds, franchising, whatever the case may be, I'm basically, you know, full time, <laughs> Uh, in in the office or, or with the headset and taking calls. And then I work out in my spare time because like you said before, I usually work out in the mornings, but now I'm sleeping in, taking the dog out at seven or eight, unless Elise wakes up and takes the dog out. And then I kind of chill until it's nighttime and I work out at night uh, because it's easier for me to sleep uh, when I get a workout in right before bed. So that's kind of how I've shifted my focus. There's just so much time in the day to where I just feel like this is a perfect opportunity to maximize my resources to learn and uh, get ready for retirement, like you said before, because once it happens, it's over. And, and the same people that are answering my calls now probably won't answer when I retire. CJ, I'll, I'll always, always answer your calls. <laughs> No, I appreciate that because I've heard stories about retirement. Like I have people, friends that have retired and even the people who are busy and actively doing things in their lives, they still say they're, they're, there's times where it's miserable because you have so much idle time and you get bored. So you have to figure out a ways to keep yourself 
motivated to keep yourself busy. Uh, think about how hard it is to work out now compared to when you're in the season. Like you're motivated right now because you're coming back. I'm motivated because it's like we're going to come back at some point. But when you're retired, there's no coming back. So I see how people get fat now. I used to say, I don't know how they get fat. Like I see how you could get fat. <laughs> it's easy. You could just eat and just chill and do nothing. And then next thing you know, you gained 25 pounds. As you just lose that motivation, bro. Like, <laughs> It's like, what am I, what am I working out for? Uh, I mean, uh, I, I definitely can see how, like, you know, people let themselves go. Like, I, I was the same way. I was like, bro, I'm a professional athlete. I understand, like, how you get fat when you're done. Like, you know, you're still making money. You're still making moves. But nah, man, like, it's just, <laughs> the days just, just go by. So, like, we're almost 30, we're almost 30 days into this now. Like, that's, that's how long it's been. Imagine 60 days, 90 days. The body changes in like 21 days, realistically. So technically, we've already developed habits. Yeah, but like miles and sea, isn't it, isn't it hard though to to stay motivated? Like I was, you know, you, you talk to guys, and and it's like with all the indefinite nature of things right now, and everything up in the air, it just seems like even now, as a professional athlete, it, it's it's got to be hard to stay motivated and stay locked in from a nutritional standpoint. Well, I think for me. You know, the first couple of days, like, I'll be real, like, you know, I'm a big Whataburger guy. If anybody doesn't know what Whataburger is, it's huge down here in the South. Um, so I have I had a couple of days of Whataburger, a couple of days of Chick-fil-A and just picking out or whatever. But I can only do that for so long. So, like, after the first two days, I'm like, okay, I got to get back on schedule. Like I said, I have my chef out here. So she was able to cater me food and stuff like that. But it's hard to have that same discipline when – you know, like during the season, like, okay, I can't have this because I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to feel awful, like, or I'm going to be dragging. Whereas now it's like, oh, I wake up tomorrow, I don't have anything to do. So I can just go ahead and sneak one in here and there. But my biggest thing is I gain weight so fast. Like my metabolism used to be so high, but now it's really slowed down. So it's like, if I have one burger, like I wake up in the morning and look in the mirror, like I'm going to see that burger. (laughs) So (laughs) I can't do it anymore. I joked with my uh, my agent the other day, and I was like, I just don't even want to taste wine right now. Like, I don't have a taste for it because you know I had I had some great some great nights and days <laughs> going into the cellar and, and dipping in. It, Keyword days days. It co- it comes a point where your body just quits you. Your body's like, nah, I'm cool on that. So you just go back to your water, only eating clean. But I, I definitely made some fried chicken. I, I tapped into everything that I wanted, cornbread. I was like, I need all of the things that I can't eat consistently during the season. I do dairy-free stuff. So I was having cheese, <laughs> chili cheese dog, like whatever the case may be. I'm like, bring that over here. I need parts. But then you kind of, I think your focus shifts. We all understand the importance of like being in shape for the season. But then you just kind of look at it's 24 hours in a day. I can I can put 90 minutes to two hours in and still do whatever I want the rest of the day. Right. And I'm still keeping myself ready in the event that we come back. And I'm still able to do, you know, some other things like self, self-help, self learning, other aspects and areas that may interest. So mm-hmm. I think when you get older, you, you see the bigger picture. But when you're younger, you just you just go down the rabbit hole and it's like, all right, you, you extremes. You either all the way in or you all the way out. There's no in between. Right. And that's tough for you too, bro. Because I'm not gonna lie, Portland. Like, I was when we were there. I didn't realize. Like, I knew about the food trucks, but I didn't realize the different areas of food trucks, just the different <laughs> areas of like whole bunch of different foods and stuff like that, bro. I'm not gonna lie. I picked out. And we got we got some great food. Yeah, man. So kudos to you, bro. I don't know how you do it. Uh, I live so far away from it that you got to really be determined to get it. 
<laughs> and <laughs> unless 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 my girl wants to go downtown to grill cheese grill or something like that, I ain't driving down there unless unless it's a game. It's after a game or if I just really, really have to have something, then I'll go. I'll go do it. So when we first got quarantined, there was like an influx of just everybody ordering games, right? So I, I brought out my Nintendo. I have a Nintendo. We brought it out. We played Nintendo. We played Jenga. We played Mad board games. What board game or board games would you recommend uh, to listeners out there? I know a lot of people are bored right now and they're trying to figure out how to to kind of stay busy and what book would you recommend? And then we can get into the, the trivia. Um, well, there's a couple things, bro. Like I, well, board games wise, like me and my family, we love Monopoly. Like there's no set rules in Monopoly. Every house has their own rules. And like, I, I enjoy that aspect of it. I like, enjoy that aspect of having to kind of conform to you know, whatever system of, of rules you have for your, you know, your Monopoly. So I love Monopoly. Um, I just recently got this game called Cards Against Humanity. I'm pretty sure everybody's heard of it, but it's new to me. And that game is hilarious. Like, you know, adult supervision, obviously, but it's a great game. Um, I, I put puzzles together, bro. I'm a huge, I love putting <laughs> puzzles together, like Lego figurines. I've always been in that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm really into that. Uh, I'm working on a 2,000-piece puzzle right now. I'm probably about halfway done. Um, as far as books, uh, I love the Hunger Games series. Like, I've read those probably two or three times, like, just in and out, like, uh, over and over again. Um, there's there's another book. Like, it's kind of like a self-help book, but it's not really, like, that like much of a self-help book it's really unorthodox it's called the subtle art not giving f whatever i'm not sure if y'all custom this podcast but yeah i have but, that um, one i have that one and, and bought one for my yeah. mom i like that I thought book. that was a good, good read I, I, I read that during the season i actually liked um uh, it it's a different you don't feel like you're reading you feel like you're actually like listening to dude and it's like a it's a good it's a good it's a good quick read so yeah i appreciate you sharing that miles we got some great instagram questions yeah go for it Miles, this is from Shaw 13 What's the first place you go to eat when you go back home to Texas? I think it might be Whataburger. Yeah, uh, either Whataburger or I got I to get some barbecue, man. I love barbecue. Like, it's like a, it's a common misconception that, like, when in Texas that we have this great barbecue. Like, don't get me wrong. Texas barbecue is good. It's just that we have an abundance of barbecue. Like, I don't think that Texas necessarily has, like, the best like slap your mama barbecue, but we have a lot of barbecue places to go to. And it's a lot of different variety of stuff. So if I come back home, I, I got to get some kind of barbecue, whether it's heartache or, um, six and maple. Um, I mean, there's a lot of places, a lot of like hole in the wall spots, stock over Sacco's, love that spot. And so, yeah, so barbecue. Love it. Uh, Jackson Friedman 13 says favorite road city. And we can, we can make this cities for you to, Visit and play in. Ooh, okay. It's hard to narrow down to one city. Oh, okay. I love Toronto. I love Toronto. Just the vibes there. This, this is unreal. It's just like, I just like the, it's so culturally diverse. I mean, there's a lot of good food spots there, you know, with the cultural diversity. I mean, beautiful women. Like, it's just a good spot. Um, uh, Phoenix. I like Phoenix as well because, you know, I'm in Indiana all, all season long. So anytime you get some good weather, you know, going to Phoenix is great. And then Phoenix is a very slept-on city. I think the vibes are dope as well. Um, what else? Obviously, going back to Dallas is cool. And I'll say those are my top three. Yeah, Portland's a sleeper, though, right? Portland. I see. I actually like Portland because it's very similar to where I went to college. It's very similar to Austin, Texas. It has the 
the same like kind of like keep 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 Austin weird vibes, like right. a whole bunch of like hippie vibes. And people kind of <laughs> yes. do whatever they want. You know, real real liberal. Like, I mean, that's it's, it's literally Portland is like a city image of Austin, Texas. A few more. Leo Martinez, two thousand six. Hardest players to guard. Uh, I probably say some guys that give me trouble in the past. Anthony Davis. I mean, he's obviously so. He's just so versatile, man. Like, you just never know what he's going to hit you with. So, and Anthony straight up one-on-one. Anthony Davis is a tough guard. Um, Jokic. Actually, Nikola Jokic, he gives me problems sometimes just because he's so unassuming. Like, you look at him, you're like, oh, man, this guy, like, he's into whatever. But, man, he's just he's just so talented. Like, he's just very great feel for the game. Um, just the degree of difficulty in some of his shots are tough. Like, I have a tough time trying to block his shot. He's releasing stuff that shots at a great angles. Um, the bigs that uh, give me problems. Back when the Marcus Cousins was healthy, like in his prime, like he's one of the ones that made me like really reconsider. Like, man, this is NBA thing for me. <laughs> I remember my rookie year. Um, um, we were playing him in Sacramento. I just came off a career high. I was feeling good. Back to back, and I had to guard him. And we had four bigs. When I tell you, you got us all in foul trouble by the second quarter. Like every big had three fouls by the time we we're heading to halftime. I remember it was one time in the second half, like he just snagged a rebound me, rebound from me, dunked it, and just like looked at me and said, "You a baby." Oh. And I didn't know what to say back to him. I was just like, <laughs> "Well, shit," <laughs> but but I, but I didn't know what to say. But so yeah, I probably said those three. That's tough, CJ. You you know well, damn well how good how good Jokic is. I, are him and Cousins kind of similar in the sense of like not being crazy athletic, but super skilled, wide, and and just really good feel wise. Ah, similar but different because yeah, that's a tough one. It's two, yeah, two different games in a sense, different same builds but two different games. Cause it's a little bit of finesse, power, shoots threes. I say cause it's cause it's cause it's more mobile than um, Joker. Joker is mobile, but I would say cause especially Pete Cousins. I think he was more mobile than Joker, but Joker, he's unassuming like. He over 300 pounds for sure. Yeah. But you can't really, like, he's kind of chubby, but then he's not. But then he got skills. He got footwork. Yeah. He got one-foot shots. Like, he plays, like, the like the ultimate Euro star. Like, he's skilled. He's swagged out. He's confident. He's got finesse. He's got bully ball. He got floaters. He got hook shots. He got underhand scoops. He got a little bit of everything. Cuz could initiate the break too, just just like Joker. Right. He'll back you down depending on depending on the situation. Think about it, I played against Cuz where he he gave us fifty five and fifteen with, with eight dimes. So like that's what I'm picturing. Like when I talk about like versatility, Joker is a beast. He's a monster. He gave you forty for the triple double. But especially Sacramento Cuz. He would bring the ball down, trail threes. They would run big little pick and roll, similar to how Joker and them do with, with Jamal. Yeah, bro, I remember that. And that was hard to guard because you like, do I show or should I just trap him? <laughs> but he was good enough to pass out of it. And then his block work was crazy. Cuz had block work. He had mid posts. He got threes. Mm-hmm. He had he had a lot. Even in New Orleans when he was playing with AD, like before he tore his Achilles, like they were both starting in the All-Star game. That's crazy. Yeah. Like. That's a bar. Like your five and four are starting in the All Star game. Yeah, Miles. He said. He said you a baby. You were just like, I guess you're right. Well, I, I didn't say that obviously. Yeah, I would have been yeah. like, yo, come on, Miles. But like, um, <laughs> but like in my head, I I didn't know what to say back. Cause like I like when guys like start talking mess. Cause that like that gasses me up. It gets me going. And I've always been that way since I was a kid. 
But like in that moment, I just didn't have a response for him. I kind of just looked at him and was like, oh, whatever. And I just kept, just kept running. <laughs> I love it. C- CJ, has anybody ever... Uh- has anyone ever said that to you? Uh, I mean, we play on the perimeter, man. So, like, we all a bunch of babies out there on the low. Like, <laughs> it's real in the paint with them seven-footers. We all, like, swimming. We swimming around, you know, trying to get get floaters off. And uh, I shoot jumpers. But guards don't really, in this day and age, they don't really talk crazy no more. Like, I mean, when I was younger, I used to talk a lot of trash. But now I just don't really say much. I just hope. If somebody really talking crazy, then I'll say something every now and then. But... I just, it's just like, what am I, what am I about to argue with you for? Right. Like, we out here, you got to guard me or you, or you don't have to guard me. I'm trying to win. And when I feel like we about to win or if I hit a big shot, like I might say something or look at you like you crazy. Or if the bench say something, then I'll talk trash to the bench for sure. Because it's like, you're not even in the game and you out here talking crazy. Like, sit down. And I remember, I remember the last time I talked to somebody, Besides Devin Booker, because me and Devin used to talk trash all the time to each other. It was hilarious. But we still, like, really messed with each other and got respect for each other. Yeah, that's, that's, that's your game. But. <laughs> yeah, but we used to talk so much trash to each other. It would be hilarious. And I'll give you two stories. One time, he was backing me down in the post. He was talking crazy. And, like, while he's backing me down, he's talking. And he turns to shoot it, and I strip him. And I look at him like he's crazy, and I start cursing him out and saying all type of crazy stuff. And then I lose the ball, and the ball goes out of bounds. (laughs) 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 That was hilarious. And then the second story, we was playing in Milwaukee, and it's when John Henson was in Milwaukee. And I had just signed with Lee Ning, so I'm playing in these Lee Nings. And he's like, what are those? Yada, 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 yada. He started joking around. But I obviously had no John. But I was just like, I said... Leaning paying me more money than the Bucks paying you. Oh. Mm. <laughs> like, Damn. And then I just walked away. Damn. <laughs> the thing about it is, Miles, is everybody thinks that, you know, CJ is, you know, innocent CJ. He's a he's the greatest, but there is that nasty side that comes out, which I love. You gotta have it, man. And, bro, I've seen it, bro. I like I've been CJ is like one of my favorite guards, bro. I'm not just saying it because I'm on the podcast, but real talk, just the way you the way you're able to handle yourself, where you carry yourself in like in the fourth quarter is like huge to me. And like that's something that like I tell like especially like all my, a lot of my young guys like to watch. You know, it's like in high school and like college, so I'm like, well like watch your composure in the fourth. But like there's definitely that aspect to the game that you don't see on T V that you can only feel when you're out there on the floor. And like it comes to the point where sometimes you've got to talk. Like, you know, it's your reputation on the line. It's your you know, it's your um it's your ego. So you know, you, you seem like this cool, calm, collected dude, but once you step in between those lines, you got to be able to flip that switch. So, I mean, I think I, you know, I love it. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. But, yeah, I, I, I think all the great ones and people who want to excel, they got to have that crazy switch. You just got to know how to control it. But we all got the crazy switch. It's just levels It's just levels to when it comes out. And the, the tenacity and the will to want to win, the will to want to prove you belong, all that stuff is kind of what drives – you and then it's just a part of your DNA, so like it just becomes like who you are, and it just comes out when it comes out, right? Especially if it's Alex Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> I like Alex Lynn. You know what's funny? Alex Lynn and I were in the same draft class together. Like I don't, I don't have no, I don't have no. These people don't understand. I don't have no problems with nobody, but when it comes between me playing basketball, I would, I would flagrant foul my own brother, like. People don't understand. Like they think I like give them a hard foul. Like you should see how I foul my brother in in, in the playground. Like I would, I would, t- I would intentionally foul my mom on a fast break if it meant, <laughs> meant us winning the game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I'm a competitor. That's what I do. I go compete, 
and I do what's necessary for my team to win. I ain't going to go hurt nobody and nothing like that. I'll take a hard foul or whatever, but I ain't never backed down, and I ain't never ran from nobody. We appreciate you coming in. Yeah, you were awesome, man. Really, really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no doubt, man. I appreciate y'all, man. It's, 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 like I said, I've been listening for a while. It's something that's intrigued me, so, so I think it's a great podcast, man. I love what y'all are doing. So, you know, best of luck in the future and everything. And CJ, Jordan, you guys stay safe, man. Yes, sir. You stay safe, too, man. You know, I really enjoyed you. I meant to tell you on the uh, on the Rising Stars, you and Donovan. That was very good. Oh, yeah, that was fun, man. Yeah. For sure, my man. All right, we'll talk to you real soon. All right, fellas. Once again, I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in faithfully to the pull-up pod. We appreciate it. We hope you are all staying safe and out of harm's way. Continue to practice social distancing while staying at least six feet away from people. Only leave the house if you absolutely need to. Uh, Once again, it's really, really important that we continue to try to flatten this curve. People are getting sick. People are dying. This is serious, and it can happen to you or one of your your loved ones. So uh, please take this seriously and continue to listen to the pull-up pod. Uh, Stay in the house while you're listening to it or on your bike or wherever. But once again, you can catch our podcast on radio.com backslash pull up, Apple, wherever you get your shows, you can catch us. And don't forget to pull up. up.